Heavenly Father up above, have mercy on me. After seven years of bad, bad love, I finally got free. I don't mean to seem ungrateful. You answered my prayer. And Father, if you're able, don't let me do the same damn thing all over again. You get the fever, you get the itch, and you forget about the mess you were in. You forget about the money, the lawyers, and the pain, and do the same damn thing all over again. Great and good You need to be in my shoes You let me fall in love Just like before Now I'm stepping in a big pile of the blues But now The honeymoon is over Let's not pretend I guess I never Learned my lesson I did the same damn thing all over again You get the fever, you get the itch You forget about the mess you are in You forget about the money, the lawyers and the pain
All right, good morning, people. A little Keb Mo to get us started, huh? Keb Mo, Fever, you like that song? Great tune, great tune. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart. It is Brother Marty Leeds, His Holiness, the Brother Marty Leeds. Anyway, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and we are coming live from Beecher, Wisconsin for one last time. We are out of here um, tomorrow. We're going to start pretty much moving our stuff. So this will be the last live stream we do uh, uh, up north here. And so I will no longer be your Beecher preacher. I'm going to be your... I don't know. I'll have to think of something else. But okay, we are going to jump right in as we like to do. We've got a lot to cover as we always do. So let's start off with a prayer. And this prayer will make sense in just a bit. Oh, merciful Lord, I made a mess of things. I feel terrible, so foolish. Show me, oh Lord, if there is sin in my heart, give me courage to face my defects and my pride. Forgive me of my sins. Reveal to me when I have been misguided by others and by life. Heal my deepest wounds. I seek your perfection and I seek your merciful grace. You are kind and patient with me. Help me to be patient with myself. Comfort this weary child. Lift me up again, O Lord. May your loving grace nourish and restore my soul. In Christ, I will keep trying. By his blood, I am forever free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as you can see on by the title, we're supposed to be doing Matthew chapter 10 today, but I'm going to have to cut this up in two because there's just too much. There's just too much to cover. I started doing the whole thing and I didn't, I didn't think you guys wanted to sit here for four hours. So we're going to do part one of Matthew chapter 10 here, and we're going to be assigning the disciples to the signs of the Zodiac. And this is going to be good. It's going to be very good. And then next week we'll do part two and that's where we'll do the whole chapter and we'll discuss because there's a lot more in the chapter to discuss. We're only going to get through about five lines today. But first we have to get through, uh, we have to, um, I have to come clean here. <laughs> I have to let everybody know that, uh, Marty, you fucked up. You, pardon my language, Sham, if your daughter's, you, you messed up, you effed up. So, um, I got a call from Michael Shucknicht, and he's a guy that's been a supporter of the church for quite a while now. So thank you, Michael. And he calls me, and I didn't I didn't see the number, but I, th I saw Shucknicht. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's him. So I just answer, and he's like, hey, uh, Marty, I just want to let you know I was uh, going over your last sermon, and I think you made a mistake. And he's like, I kept doing the math of the last verse, Matthew 9.38, and I, I think it's wrong. And he was really sweet about it, really nice. And... So I was just like, as soon as he said that, I was like, thank you, man. Like, it was like a profuse thank you. Like, thank you for pointing this out, you know? So I, I told him, I was like, well, let me check it and I'll get back to you and I'll let you know. And if so, then we'll we'll talk about it the next Sunday. So it turns out he was right. I made a mistake on the last verse of the um, last chapter we did, Matthew chapter 9. So we're going to talk about it before we get into this today. And this will be short, but I want to address this because it's a good thing. So, um. So we talked about, so, and usually what I do is I usually just copy and paste in uh, the, the verse into the calculator. So it's, and then I double check it and, like pretty much all the time. So just to make sure we got the right math. So somewhere I screwed up, I hit the wrong button, I sat on it. I don't know what happened, but I ended up not calculating this correctly. And so uh, the last live stream, the last chapter, the last verse that we did, uh -uh, that's wrong. And so I want to, I want to thanks, thank you to like, you know, Mike, sincere thank you for pointing this out. Um, you know, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for actually doing the math. Because this is what I always say, like, don't trust me. Don't, you know, go as, I mean, I think it's fantastic that somebody's actually watching. And as we're doing this, he's going through the math. So he called me. 
super sweet about it, everything like that. And I told him like, hey man, you know, I'm 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 an error sometimes too. I'm a human being. We're all sinners in that sort of sense, right? And so, and he even said he's like, I double checked the math and I checked different versions of the AKJV, and I think it's wrong. Sure enough, he was right. So we talked about the fact that this verse it says, "Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, take he uh, will send forth." his labors into his harvest. And one of the his in there is is incorrect. So you take that out and next thing you know, you don't have the math. And so we talked about the 361. Now, forget any gematria or anything like that. In fact, the, the point of gematria isn't to be like, oh, the number's encoded in this verse and so therefore it's important because the verse says it. Actually, what the whole point is, is to find these the importance of these numbers outside of gematria. And that's really what we do. So when we talk about um, 361, we we discussed that we've discussed this so many times, so many times. But just a little review we talked about in the last live stream uh, was called "Enlightenment is not what you thought it was," and we talked about how hey, in um, in the Greek gematria, the monad, um, which is what we talk about all the time, equals 361, and then we pointed out all these places that you find this number 361. Excuse me. Um, the vigesimal system, zero through 19, um, you know, that's 19 squared equals 361. We covered that, you know, the, the divisors of 190 equal 360 with the, I'm just going to go over this real quick, just to make the point here, but adding the rule of Kolel, what do you got? 361. We talked about, um, in the parable of the sower, uh, some seeds fell on the good ground and some seeds over here and the fowls of the air came and ate them up and these seeds over here. And then there were seeds that fell on the good ground and they actually give you math. And it says, hey, these sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and 60 and 100. Well, that equals 190. If you break those down, it's three, six, one. We also found this 361 and the relationship to 190, all of this stuff in... Um, the Kabbalistic tree of life, how it's literally set up. Three, six, and then one, okay? And that's the Hebraic version of that. So all of these different places that we see 361, well, it turns out that's that's incorrect. So um, as, you, as you can see, we talked about that. Now, it doesn't even matter. Once again, you could throw this verse entirely out and any connection to 361, it wouldn't matter at all. In fact, the verse doesn't say anything specific about the number 361, it actually is talking about the great work and sending forth laborers to get that harvest. And that harvest is, you know, ultimately it's eternal life. So, um, so that's incorrect. Now let's actually correct it. Okay. Let's actually do the, the real math and then we'll, we'll get going on the disciples. So it says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So I added a his in there somehow. I don't even know how I did that to be honest. Cause like I said, I usually just copy and paste. Well, it turns out that's 344. Okay, so what? So, um, a, a few things. When we talk about the rule of Kolal, you guys know about the rule of Kolal, correct? The rule of Kolal is where, and it's this is something that's well-known, well-established within Kabbalistic uh, circles. You talk about, um, it's, you know, uh, William Shakespeare has even mentioned it slyly, that sort of stuff. And it's this notion that you can add or subtract one from your total and then, you know, get, you know, a point to a certain number. Well, when you look at 344, if you subtract one, it's 343. And that's seven times seven times seven. It's a triplicity of seven. Seven times seven cubed is 343. If you add one to that, what is it? It's 345. What is that? It's a reference to the Pythagorean triangle, the Pythagorean theorem. A squared, B squared, C squared is three, three squared plus four squared plus five squared. Um, that's actually known in 
Shaddai, or uh, uh, El Shaddai, the Hebrew name of one of the Hebrew names of Lord. So El Shaddai actually equals three four five. If you take off L, do you know what it equals? Three fourteen. Anybody can do that math. That's not. I didn't screw that up. That's for sure. So, so this equals three forty four. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth his labors into his harvest. So, what's three forty four? Well. This is actually the number that you find encoded in billiards. And we'll t I'll show you this in just a second. I'm just going to go over this real quick because I just want to touch on the math. But um, when you look at the 15th triangular number, so you go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. The last three numbers, three, 13, 14, and 15, is where you establish pi, right in the number line right there. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. And we've covered that numerous, numerous times. A lot of this is review, I know. So that's uh, 31415. That's a you know common approximation of pi. All you have to do is add the decimal place there. So God, in the unfolding number line, when he created the unfolding number line, he put pi right in those digits right there. So... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 in English gematria equals what? It equals 344, which is, uh, which is uh, the, the gematria value of that last verse. So it doesn't equal 361. So why is this important? Well, number one, there's the 15 triangular number leading to 13, 14, and 15 where you establish pi. The 15 triangular number, when you just add 1 through 15, equals 120. You know what 120 will lead you to? 360. So the, here's the number 120. There's the divisors of 120. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 24, 30, 40, 60, 120. You add all of those up and what do you get? 360. What is that? 120 is a third. When we talk about, oh, we're going to take this 360 and we're going to splice it into three. What is that? Once again, it'd be a Trinitarian look at the geometry, right? So we look at adding 1 through 15 equals 120. You look at the divisors of 120 and it leads you to 360. Well, using the rule of Colel, what would you have? 360, 361. Literally leads you to the same number anyway. So that's pretty funny. But so... Um, you know, that's just your natural, this doesn't, you don't have to rely on gematria, Greek or Hebrew or English. No, forget all of that. You're just looking at the qualities and attributes of this number. It's properties. What does it lead you to? Naturally, naturally. Anybody could do this. So 360. So I wanted to just point this out. So this is billiards. So when you go to rack up billiards, what do you have? You have that triangle. You triangulate the numbers, one, two, three, four, all the way to 15. That triangle on your billiards table equals 344, just straight up, okay? Now, uh, I did a whole video on billiards and things like that, but now look at what's in that triangle. Let's, it's going to lead you to pi once again. So you have seven solids and seven stripes, and then you have that extra eight ball because the eight ball becomes key in the game, obviously, right? So you have seven solids, seven stripes, and then you have in the center, you always put the eight ball in there, and that's your black eight ball, okay? And that's the key of the game, of course. You have the cue ball outside of it, break it. You're trying to, you know, put the, at least one of the most popular games, put the eight ball in the pocket, obviously. So um, that whole thing equals three, four, four. One through 15 equals 344. Well, if you take that eight ball out, the number eight equals 30. So E-I-G-H-T equals 30. So if you take 30 
away from 344, what do you get? Well, it says right there, 314. Straight up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Those are your solids. It equals 125. Take out the 8 ball, right? Because that's your that's the game-winning piece, the black and white, the, the you know, the, the Q and the 8. The stripes, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 equals 189. 125 plus 189 is 314. The eight ball, <laughs> a reference to pi. That's straight up in billiards. The eight ball, it's the number eight. Do you know what pi is in English? P is three and I is five. And that equals what? Eight. So you take the pi out and then what you're left with is pi. Then you get 344 from that triangulation. You subtract when using the rule of Colel. You've got the triplicity of seven. Seven times seven times seven, three, 343. You add one, what do you get? The numbers of the Pythagorean theorem. That's all in billiards, right there. Billiards is loaded with Christ, in other words. Of course, of course it is. So, so I wanna say thank you to Mike for pointing that out. And uh, it's it's important that we, you know, fix the, fix the mistakes. And I wanna, I wanna talk just, uh, Brief, briefly here about owning up to things, being honest, uh, that sort of stuff. This comes from, this is literally the first page of my book, Pine the English Alphabets, Volumes 1 through 3. What I did is the last 10 years of writing books, it was a discovery. It was um, literally going through and trying to find out what's wrong and what's right and that sort of stuff. And so that's a that's a scientific process of where you go and you're like, okay, well, I, I you know, we theorized this. We this was a you know, we considered this option. We went down this road. And ultimately, what you want to do is that alchemical process of distilling out all the stuff that was nonsense, all the stuff that you could throw away. And then what do you get? You get that pristine truth, and that's what we're going for. So I took what, volumes one, two, three, and off the shelf. And went through all of them, edited it down to a single, essentially one volume that was like, hey, this thing now, here, this is bulletproof. This is no longer conjecture or opinion or this is my, you know, some theorizing. No, this is 100% verifiable stuff that's in the book. And that's been my whole journey, you know. I mean, I'm selling one book now where I could have sold three. So if it was me trying to make money, I was like, well, I'm really bad at this whole entrepreneurship thing. So this is this comes from... The first page of Pi in the English Alphabets, Volumes 1 through 3, the collection. My effort and aim throughout this journey has been to make an open and honest exploration through these highly anagogical subjects and topics. A work that would no doubt require revision, re-examination, and updating as more information came to light, and as my knowledge of these subjects grew and evolved. My trajectory from day one has been to constantly seek the genuine, admit the errors and mishaps I have made along the way, use those blunders as a stepping stone to a higher understanding, and constantly keep my eye, my eyes on the holy light of truth. This has been my effort for the last 10 years of writing, presenting, lecturing, and preaching, and my own spiritual and personal growth has bloomed because of this great work. It's important to, number one, hold people accountable, to double-check things, to question, to always challenge, and so, you know, when, and, and this is what we do here. I've got no issue, no problem if, some, if something's wrong or it's like there's a different perspective or, you know, we can, you know, consider something before and then it turns out it's wrong. Let's cover it. Let's not just be like, oh, let's all be prideful. It's like, well, you know, or, or get angry or whatever. It's like, no, let's, let's traverse back. Let's take care of what it is. Let's find out what the truth is. Then we all benefit. And we all benefit. 
When you let go of that ego, you let go of that pride, and you just go, the, the whole reason you're here is to just go for truth. And we all know if we're honest with one another, God bless it, we've made so many mistakes in this world, right? If we, if what we want to do is just like we talked about last live stream, that repentance, you go in, you take care of it, you think, you ask for forgiveness if you screwed over somebody or you, or if somebody screwed you over, you forgive them. You go and you find out what you, what you did wrong. You take care of it through your repentance. You seek that, that forgiveness from God, which he's already going to give it to you, of course, because he's love. You go in and you take care of it. And then what do you do? You fucking let it go so you can move on. Otherwise, you're shackled, you're chained to, you know, something in the past you don't need to be. So this is the whole point of uh, a true alchemical process. This is really science. This is what science is all about. It's the protocols of science, you know, to go in and figure out what, if you've gotten wrong, point it out so you can find out what's right. So when, when I make a mistake, we all learn. And that's a beautiful thing. And what is the lesson? Hold people accountable. Check things. Verify. Test. Challenge. As we are Gnostics, what do we know? What do we teach? What do we preach all the time? Trust God, not man. If you're here, it's like, I, I go to Marty for all my truth. You're an idiot. <laughs> right? No, you trust God. So Michael, he was trusting God. He was like, well, I know, I, you know, Marty does a lot of great work and I love his books and I really appreciate the, the sermon and stuff like that, but I think this is wrong. What does he do? He doesn't call me. He's like, you shell. No, he's like, you know. Hey, man, uh, I just want to let you know. So what happens? We all benefit. Gnostics put their trust in God, not man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better, trust in, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And when you know that that Lord is right within here, that's the monad, by the way. That's that 360, 361 thing that we constantly talk about. When you realize that that Lord is in here, what is that? That's the small, still voice in your heart that's saying, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. Right? Michael was listening to it. He was challenging it. He's like, wait a second. Wait, this, this math's not adding up. That's wrong. Let's, uh, let's just call Marty. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Put your trust in the Lord, not in Marty Leeds. Marty Leeds is a fallible human being. I'm not the Pope. <laughs> anyway, so we're actually going to do a whole, we're going to call this, um, it's like the Caesar Milan thing, you know, he's got the pack code, right? And he's like, the pack code is, it's like a Trinitarian thing. It's like honesty, integrity, loyalty. That's what we seek in this life. Honesty, integrity, and loyalty. And when somebody is honest and has integrity and dignity and all that sort of stuff, that's who you want to be loyal to. We've all made mistakes. If they can own up to the mistake, if they can say, hey, let's find out and use that, let's find that mistake, let's find out what's wrong and use that as a stepping stone to a higher understanding. When you see somebody like that, you give them loyalty because then you're like, oh, that's an, that's an honest person. That's somebody that's genuine. That's somebody that just really wants the truth. So, so uh, you know, you know we're, we go, we call it um, the season line. It's not, it's not the pack code. We call it the flock code. We call it the flat code here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. These guys go bards. You know what I'm saying? You guys are all go bards. So we got to have the flat code, which is honesty, integrity, and loyalty. And we need more of that in this world. Do we not? Do we not? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? That's right. So, so I just want to say thank you, Mike. I really appreciate the phone call. I really appreciate you actually doing the math. I really appreciate you listening to the small, still voice in your heart. I appreciate you didn't call me up and be like, you're an idiot, you know? So thanks, Mike, but you're fired. How dare you question my authority? <laughs> anyway, so so good. it's so good. So I really appreciate it, and um, that's what we're here for. That's what it's all about. So, okay.
Now, I just wanted to get that out of the way and talk about that because I thought it was important. So now let's get into it. The 12 Disciples of the Zodiac, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to get through about four, maybe five verses today, and then we'll do the rest next Sunday, okay? And so we'll, and we'll revisit a bunch of this that we're going to do today. So as I said, what we're going to do is we're going to sign the 12 houses of the Zodiac to the disciples. And this is going to be freaking wonderful. I hope you guys enjoy this. So it's, uh, let's get into it. Chapter 10, number one, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, isn't it interesting that Christ is given men power? Now, when you understand Christ is with, within you, he's like, all the, I can do all things through Christ, who's, you know, that's that sort of things. All things I can, you know, because Christ strengtheneth me and all this other stuff, right? The Christ in you, we've, ta- we've talked about this, you know, exhaustively. So here, Christ, the first thing he's saying is the power that I have, Christ, that everybody's like, that most modern, like, you know, fundamentalist, literalist Christians and things like that, it's almost like an idol worship, like, aha, Christ, this thing, this man 2,000 years ago, and he lived, and he had all the power, and he, Christ is saying, like, I'm going around giving my power to the people that are following me, that are taking up their cross and following me, the disciples and the apostles here, now you have what I have. Think about that, okay? So... Let's look at the gematria of this quick, okay? And then we'll talk, and then we'll get into this. And I'll, like I said, we're going to review all of this next Sunday too because it's important. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples and he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And yes, disease is in there. It's just, this math is correct. I triple check this. So it's just not in the graphic. So trust, you don't have to trust me. Don't trust me. Don't, don't. Check it yourself. This equals 540. Okay. So, once again, Matthew chapter 10, number 1, equals 540. Why is that important? Well, 540 is the internal degrees of the pentagon or the pentagram. It's the pentagon within the pentagram, and that's 540 degrees. Why is that important? Because, so this is the first verse that they give you, and what they give you is what? What's encoded in that pentagon? Phi. It's a, it's a fingerprint of God. It's that 1.618, 1 to 0.618, 1.618 to 1. What is that? That's phi. That's a fingerprint of God. That's that design signature that we find within creation. We find human bodies proportioned out this. Of course, we, you know, so this is all in the Pentagon. This is net. You draw a perfect Pentagon and you find this ratio within there. And this is, this is why you see uh, this Cornelius Agrippa, I think, is on the upper left there. The human body is, you know, represented by that five. Phi is all over the human body. You can go from essentially from the top of your head to around your belly button is essentially one from your, or which which one is it? And then from the belly button down is 0.618. It might be the reverse, but you get the point. Your whole body, your hand, your cochlea of your ear, your face is all proportioned off 1.618, the length of your fingers. And this is not anything that's questionable at all. It's just, uh, it's a it's a mathematical fact. Even like you, you curl your hand. What you, phi is there? You get the your cochlea of your ear is literally phi, a representation of that design signature of God. Where is it found? Boom in the pentagram, perfect pentagram. Phi is in the human arm, proportioned off the pentagram. Once again, this is your cubit. Why do you think there's so much uh, uh, attention and uh, drawn in the Bible to the cubit? There's a reason for that. So. Um, and once again, oh, we've already showed that. So, boom, right there. So you have that first verse. The first thing it's telling you about is Phi. He's given people the power 
He's given the disciples the power, and what does it equal? 540. Now, there's a lot there. You could say it, we'll cover this next Sunday. There's more there. So, but I just want to touch on that really quick. Okay. Now, this is so the next verses here, as you can see, he's ordaining. Um, this is like the ordination of the 12 disciples. And you can see, and I've highlighted them, and we'll talk about all this. The first Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Lebius, Simon, Judas, Iscariot. Okay. And so um, in order to assign all the disciples, the first thing we have to do is we'll have to look at, um, well, actually, let me cover this really quick. So the you, you find the commissioning or the ordination of the 12 apostles, disciples in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? So we're obviously going to look at Matthew today, but I just want to show this really quick here. So this is uh, Mark 3, I think, Mark 6, I think is what it is. Is it Mark 6? Uh, Mark 3 and Luke 6. I'm sorry. So this is Mark 3. And he ordained 12 that they should be with them and that he might send forth to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses, cast out devils. And then he's got Simon, Pete, surnamed Peter and James, the son of Zebedee and John, James, he surnamed them Boanerges. And then Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, not Lebius, and Simon the Canaanite, and then Judas Iscariot. So... It looks like Thaddeus is Lebius, and then I don't know why Simon is surnamed Peter, and then these other people, what's going on here? And then here's uh, Luke, where he does it again. Uh, he's called, uh, these 12 disciples, uh, Simon, who's also called Peter. Which is it? Is it Marty or is it Kevin or is it Claudia? This is confusing. Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas. Wait, Judas? Isn't Judas supposed to be Thaddeus and isn't Thaddeus Lebius? What, why is this so confusing? Why do you have all these different names? Simon called Zealots, which is basically Zealot, Zelotes. I, don't, I think I'm saying that incorrectly, but Simon the Zealot. But I thought he was Simon the Canaanite. What, why, why, what's going on here? Why doesn't the Bible, first and foremost, we're going to look at the names as given in Matthew 10 because we're in that chapter, okay? And then we'll, we're going to do some gematria and then we'll move on. But why, why is the Bible, why didn't the Bible just like, you know, it's like that scene in Goodwill Hunting. Why didn't... Jesus just come along and be like, okay, you got uh, Marky, uh, uh, Mark, Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, uh, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, Brian, you guys are the disciples. Why does it have to be Simon the Zealous, but Simon the Canaanite, and then Peter, but he's surnamed, uh, you know, Simon, or Simon surnamed Peter, and then uh, his name is Alphaeus, but, or no, wait, no, it's Thaddeus and Lebius, but it's actually Judas. What the hell is going on here? Why didn't you just say, hey, Marky, Ricky, Dan Danny, Terry, uh, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, uh, Johnny, Brian? And little Willie, of course. Not blind Willie McShakes, but a little Goodwill Hunting there. Why didn't they just do that? Well, I could tell you one of the reasons is that they're giving you different names. Number one, so you can make the appropriate associations of, to uh, all the different, uh, you know, it's like they'll say Simon the Zealot. And then they'll say Simon the Canaanite. And we'll look at this. Well, you need both of those terms in order to understand who Simon is in the disciples. You also have different chapters giving different gematria values purposefully that's that's the point and so you have different names it's the same reason why you have uh jesus sometimes he's called the light and sometimes he's just jesus and sometimes he's lord jesus and sometimes he's jesus christ and sometimes he's the lamb and sometimes he's the holy one of god it's like my lord can't they just call him jesus and just be done with it you know it would have been a lot easier if they just been like hey this is willie it's uh lord willie who <laughs> sees from the single eye in his mind but so that's what they're doing is that they're it, it, depending on the chapter and the, depending on the verse, they're using different names, not only to give you different context for the characters, but also to encode different gematria. 
And we've already seen that when we did the whole book of Mark. So, okay, so that said, so now let's call out and we're going to do a little gematria. Like I said, we're going to review all of this next Sunday. Let's let's go into the verses and actually figure out what names we're going to be using to to um, to calculate this gematria really quick. Okay, so it says now the names of the twelve apostles are these. This is it. Okay, the first Simon, but who is called Peter? He's called Peter. So we're not going to call him Simon. We're going to call him Peter and Andrew and his brother James. And then they say the son of Zebedee. They're giving you the Zebedee. This is, the, you know, uh, we won't even cover that today, but they're giving you more. Once again, that's a, a descriptor so you can make the appropriate connection. And then John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the publican. So you know that it's St. Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus. Oh, there's there's some information we're going to need. We're going to need to know Alphaeus. And then Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, but we're going to use Lebius. Okay, because they're telling its surname, and I'll go to that in just a second. Then Simon the Canaanite, who's also Simon the Zealot, and then Judas Iscariot, and they give you the whole name Judas Iscariot. So, um, for for instance, Lebius, it says whose surname was Thaddeus, just like it said before, whose surname was Boanerges. But we're not going to use Boanerges, we're going to use John and James. Lebius, whose surname is Thaddeus, what's a surname? A surname is uh, the name that a person has in common with other family members as distinguished from a given name or a Christian name slash family name. So when when he's calling out these 12 disciples, we're not going to use Thaddeus. We're going to use Lebius because Lebius' surname was Thaddeus. Well, if Christ is, you know, anointing, or not anointing, but, uh, you know, uh, calling these people into his little camp here, right? He's going to be calling them by their Christian name, correct? Not Thaddeus, which would be the surname. The surname is, is distinguished from a given name or a Christian name. Well, Christ is going to be following his Christian name, which would be Lebius. Okay? So, everybody see that. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Lebius, Simon, Judas Iscariot. And there's your 12. Let's do some math. Peter, Andrew, double check it. Put your faith in God, not Marty Leeds. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Lebius, Simon, Judas Iscariot. And there's one more. And what is that? It's Jesus Christ. What does that equal in English gematria? Do the math. Is that 365? Is that the number of days in the solar year? And this whole thing is about what? What, what are we talking about here? Jesus as a representation of the sun. He is literally called the sun. His, his grandpapa was called Heli, which is the root of Helios. Jesus went missing at age 12, started his ministry at age 30. Jesus went missing at age 12 and started his ministry at age 30. There's 12 houses of the zodiac and 30 degrees of each age. Is there not? All of these clues within the Bible to let you, literally to put it into your face. Like, look, you're dealing with astrology. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Levius, Simon, Judas Iscariot, Jesus Christ equals 365. 365, that's the first three letters of Christ. In English Gematria, when Jesus shows up, when he is born, the three magi come over and they're, they're like, hey, saying, comma, this. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What does that equal? 365. So again, you can verify all that. Then we go to the end of the book, 
Revelation, first chapter of Matthew, or second chapter of Matthew, they give you 365. Then you go to the end of Revelation, you go into the city of God where there's all these stones. We've covered this before. I'm just going to show this again. Gold, jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, etc., etc., etc. What does that equal? They're in the city of God. And this city is lined with gold and all of these precious stones. And what does it equal in English Gematria? 365. So all of these ways to let you know that what this story is dealing with, what the Bible is dealing with is transcendental universal truths. It's a story in the stars, as we know. And that's what astrology is really all about. It's a, sto- it's a story of the sun. It's a story of the sun going through those, those, uh, those houses, signs, whatever you want to say. Depending if you're dealing with sidereal or tropical, it doesn't matter. We're, do- we're talking about a story, okay? Now, before we get into actually assigning the disciples, there's, you know, it's, <laughs> there's no question when you actually look at this stuff that Jesus is a rep and his disciples is absolutely a representation of the sun and the zodiacal signs. Jennifer and I, we just went to Germany last, uh, what, October, October to November there, whatever. And, you know, we, we visited, I don't know, probably a dozen cathedrals. And, you know, now that knowing what we know, you can go in there and be like, oh, there's, there it is. There's, oh, there's more zodiac signs. Oh, there it is. There it is. It's over here. Oh, see this? I don't know how many times we, we saw the tetramorph, which we'll cover in just a second. But here's Jesus in the center, right? And you see, uh, the, you know, he's surrounded by the disciples. I mean, you know, the, the zodiac signs. And so it's like even these ancient illustrate, illust, you know, painters and illustrators and stuff like that, they, they even knew. The people that built the cathedrals or decorated them or whatever, they absolutely knew this. Unfortunately, most of this is lost today. Why is it important that we're dealing with the, you know, the, of course, we deal with enough with the center of creation and then, of course, the, the 12 houses that revolve around and all of that sort of stuff. Why are this? Why is this important at all? That's just some shit up there. Who cares? What do those signs represent? They represent the labors that you're, that you're to do down here. This is the 12 labors of Hercules that many people know. You have Hercules, this hero figure, and then he's got to go through these 12 labors. And the labors are, when you, when you look at them, they're, they're all constellational. It's, it's what they are. He's got to fight a lion, Leo. He's got to fight Hydra, Hydra. He's got to fight the boar. You mean the, the great bear, Ursa Major? But a, big, a big bear is called a boar, right? He's got to fight the birds. You mean Aquila and Cygnus, you, like the fowls of the air? He's got to fight a bull. You mean like Taurus? He's got to get the horses. You mean like Aquilus and Pegasus and Sagittarius? We'll cover that today. He's got, a, he's got the belt. You mean like Orion's belt? The apples, the you mean the apples that were on the the tree in the center of creation, like the. So, so what the disciples are the, the zodiac signs, and what are they? It's your disciplines. It's the labors that you're going to have to go down, go through down here and conquer. Okay, so a disciple is is literally called a pupil, a student, a follower, which totally makes sense. And but one who follows another for the purpose of learning. And what do you learn? It's your disciplines. Discipline straight up comes from disciple. There's no question about it in the etymology. So what are those disciples there to do? To be disciplined so that they can do what? Take up Jesus, you know, take up the cross and follow Jesus so that they can get into the center of this creation up and out of here so they don't have to come back here. They have to undergo those disciplines. That's what those zodiacal signs represent. 
Um, yes. So, and so when we look at, and in fact, the Greek word for disciples is mathetes. Mathetes, I'm not sure if, if I'm saying that correctly. I don't speak Greek. You guys know that shit. So uh, the Greek word for disciples is mathetes, and it means a learner or a pupil. So math, it's very mathy. The disciples are getting very mathy, is all I'm saying. It could be said that they are disciplined to learn what is taught because the root of the word disciple is discipline. We, you know, and that's really what those zodiacal signs represent is the disciplines, the work, the labor, the great work that you have to undergo down here, that those disciplines are written into the stars, okay? And that's why you see all these different, you know, the personality traits that are represented by all of the signs. When we talk about being the holistic being, okay, we talk about being the complete and total being, going, undergoing that great work so we can find, so we can let the Christ rise within us, right? And recognize that we are the spiritual body. We're not the meat suit. The meat suit is just this temporary thing and it flitters away and people want to uh, associate themselves with this thing. Nah, 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 nah. No, okay? So in order to be that holistic being, we have to go through the 12 labors, the 12 disciplines in that great work and embody all of these things. Just like we talk about when we talk about the unity of opposites or the coincidentia positorum. We talk about the great work requires what? The alchemical marriage of the man and woman within. And you embody all the traits, the feminine and the masculine traits, and then you're the holistic being. It's the same thing when you talk about the 12 disciplines or disciples or the zodiacal signs of the laborers of Hercules. You want to embody, well, I'm Aries, so that means I'm brave and willful and productive and enterprising and humanitarian, and that's it. That's it, because I'm an Aries. No. No, that's just one of the disciplines. You may have been born in the house or sign of Aries or whatever it is, and so you may have those traits within you that are pretty strong, but that's not what you, that's not, you, you're, you're not just that. You also want to be practical and resourceful and confident and energetic and curious and skillful and humorous and, and uh, seductive and imaginative and intelligent and crafty and rational and strong-willed and dominant and courageous and aristocratic and idealistic, etc. This is just a chart, of course, but you get the point. You want to go through all of the labors, all of the disciplines and embody all of them so you can be what? The world. Why do you think the Zodiac Man, every sign is put on your body? Lots of cultures understood this. Unfortunately, Christianity today doesn't, and that's why Christianity is sucking it right now. <sighs> Orphic Trinity, Fanes, Aranos, Kronos, what is what surrounded Orph Orpheus there? Okay. So this is why you have sun gods, this notion of sun gods again and again and again throughout creation, because it is talking about the eternal. The, the, this is the this is your in every sense your Adam Cadmon. It's your perfected man in the, in the beginning of creation. It's your the, of course Jesus is the second Adam. It's this perfected figure that we all want to aspire to, that we all actually have within us, that we want to let go of the you know chip away all the rough ashlar and get to that perfect cube, right? You know, Mithras, Horus, uh, even Pythagoras was considered a sun god, depending on what your myth is. Buddha is sometimes considered a sun god, depending on what, you know, how, is, how it's understood. Adonis, Tammuz, Dionysus, Addis, and of course, Jesus. Now, modern Christians want to be like, no, 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 not our Jesus. He's this man. It was 2,000 years ago, and you're trying to make him. No, man. No. No. Jesus is absolutely a representation of the sun. He's also a representation of a lot more than that. Don't get me wrong. But as we've talked about, the sun is the entrance into those mysteries. It's the, the sun is the entrance into the star canopy, period. When the sun rises, you can't see anything. It's just blue sky. It goes away. Then what? 
and we see it. Okay. So um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna mention this briefly because I want to I want to get moving on and I'll cover this next Sunday. But in those when you take so when you look at Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Levius, Simon, Judas Iscariot, because that's exactly what it says in the verse. The next line doesn't say Jesus Christ; it says Jesus. Okay. So if we take out Christ from that 365, what do you have? Three, three, three. And I'll cover this. I'm just going to mention this really briefly, and then we'll cover it again next Sunday because I want to move on. But 333 is found between your hands. I'll leave this on the on the screen if anybody wants to take a quick snapshot of this. But if you add the numbers between your left hand and your right hand, which is 32 and 42, it equals 333. 333. If you're looking for the reason you're seeing 333, just number up your hands and count them all between. I said if you're looking for the reason you're seeing 333, just number up your hands and count them all between. That's a little riddle by Claudia Pavonis. Or maybe it was Lebius. Or maybe it was Thaddeus. Or maybe it was Judas. It's really confusing. Uh, this is also, I have my books put away, but this is the, it's uh, from the Monitor of the Lodge. It's a, it's a Freemasonic book that basically is, a, it's an encoded book. I have a couple copies of it, and the, or the later copies do not have this, but the earlier ones do. The first page, the pagination is 333. So, I wonder if the Masons knew something. Okay. So, we'll cover that again next Sunday. I just wanted to mention that really quick. Okay, so, let's get a sign-in, okay? So, here's your 12 houses, uh, signs of the Zodiac, however you want to say it. Um, and so, we have... And I'm just going to list these off right now, and then we're going to go through one by one and make the correlations so that we understand, okay? Um, Philip is Capricorn. James is Sagittarius. John is Scorpio. Bartholomew is Libra. James of Alpheus is Virgo. Thaddeus, Lebius, what's his other name? Judas, <laughs> is Leo. Judas Iscariot is Cancer. No, he's not Scorpio. He's Cancer. Gemini is Thomas. Simon the Canaanite is Taurus. Simon Peter is Aries. Andrew is Pisces, Matthew is Aquarius, and then we're back to Philippian Capricorn. Okay, so how do we assign these appropriately? First and foremost, we have to go to the Tetramorph because the Tetramorph is going to immediately establish two of these disciples that Jesus has called in to two signs, and there's no question about it, okay? So when we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four, uh, the, the Gospels, right? right? The ghost bells. The ghost spells, the, the good story, God's story, the God story. Wait, you mean the one, the one in the heavens? The one that God literally put up there? Yes, Marty. So we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was not uh, called as a disciple. He was literally, I mean, it isn't to say he wasn't called as a disciple or he is an apostle. That's not what I mean. He was obviously a saint and all that other stuff. But as far as Jesus calling him into the one of the 12, he was not. Mark was not and Luke was not. So Mark was a, said to be a disciple, companion of Peter. Luke was a companion of Paul, um, who was also not a disciple. Of course, disciple, apostle, in, in this sense, it's kind of an interchangeable word in that sort of sense. But So M Mark and Luke, not part of that 12. Who was part of the 12, though? Well, we can go to uh, Matthew and John. The other, t the, uh, So this is the, called the Tetramorph. Okay, and this is some of these are pictures that Jennifer and I took when we were in the cathedrals in Germany and other places. We went to France and that sort of thing. But so, therefore, you see the four fixed signs of the zodiac Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, there it is. So, there's where some, and you can see very clearly there's, you know, there's the four fixed signs there. Um, now, the tetramorph, tetra meaning four. Um, 
morph, by the way, means to like, you know what morphing is, right? From to go from one state to another, that's the kind of thing. What are you here to do? To go from one state to another? So when you look, and this is widespread, I mean, it's all over the place. It's like, once you see it, it's all literally all over the place. The man is Matthew. So Aquarius is Matthew. This is the four fixed signs of the Zodiac. This is your Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, and Taurus. Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, and Taurus. So we have Matthew is Aquarius. Mark is the lion, Leo. The ox is Luke, which is Taurus. And the eagle is John. The eagle is also known as the Scorpio, uh, scorpion. It's also known as the phoenix. And we'll cover that in just a second. So Mark and Luke are not in there. So we. So now we're going to have to assign Leo and Taurus to, to two of those disciples. But we already know that Matthew is the, is the man, is the Aquarius. And John is the eagle, which is also Scorpio. Okay? So here's a bunch of tetramorphs. Once again, this is this is all over. This is these are the ones that we uh, took pictures of when we were in Germany. I think this was in ah, I forget where that one was. But these cathedrals, my freaking lord, my freaking lord, insane. So you can see on the left there, there's Taurus. On the right, there's the Leo. On the top there, there's you know there's the um, uh, well you get it right. There's the the four fixed signs there. I don't need to go into that too much. We've covered it enough. So. St. Matthew is known as Aquarius. Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, and Taurus. Scorpio and Aquarius we got because John is Scorpio. So therefore, we can already assign two of those disciples two signs of the zodiac. So there's Matthew being Aquarius. The winged, he's even water there, that sort of stuff. Winged man, man up in the heavens, Aquarius. This is John, who's the Scorpio. Scorpio slash eagle. He's usually shown as an eagle, and we'll cover why he's he's an eagle, why he's represented as the eagle as we move on. But the eagle, when you look into Esoterica, um, the Scorpio is associated with three different animals, and this is well known. Well known. It's not, you know, this isn't some force fit or anything like that. The Scorpio is associated with three different animals, the scorpion, um, the eagle, the phoenix, sometimes the snake, but uh, a lot of times the, the, well, the Scorpio and the Eagle, and we'll cover those two specific ones today. So, um, so St. Johnny Boy there, that's Scorpio. Matthew is Aquarius, and we'll revisit this, but um, so, so there, we already have two of the signs assigned, okay? So, so let's start, so just p put that out there. So now let's start from the beginning. And then let's go through this one by one and we'll make all the correct correlations, okay? And we're gonna, we're gonna go through them just as Jesus called it out, okay? So now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first Simon, but Simon's not called Simon. Who is called Peter? We're gonna call him Peter. That's just specifically what it says. So, so that's why we use that commentria. So let's look at Peter. Peter, Simon Peter is Aries, okay? Why? So you have um, Simon, psychology, mind. Simon means to hear or to be heard. Um, uh, ears are on the head. When you say, oh, I need to be heard, ears are on the head. Peter means Petra, which is stone. And Jesus is the cornerstone. Let's go over all this again. I'm just going to show these chapters and little sections here, and then we'll go through each one. So um, the New Testament from Greek, the Hebrew name Shimon, Simon means he has heard. You take the R away from heard and what do you have? Head. What is your ears? They're on your head, right? So you have Simon, literally, number one, being called the first one. This is the first one that he calls. Jesus is like Simon, who was called Peter. The, this is the, the, the church was built on the, you know, the Peter, which is the rock, right? That sort of thing. And he's always the first one that he calls. So makes sense that the first sign, the first zodiac sign is what? Aries. 
It's the first one he calls. And that happens again and again. In fact, when you look at the other times he calls in the other chapters, let's just look at them right now. Um, when he calls them, first one he calls Simon, Peter. It's the first one he calls. That's in Mark. Let's go to Luke. Who's the first one he calls? Simon, Peter. Then the entire church is built off what? Simon, Peter. Why? Because he's the Aries. He's the rock. He's the lamb. He's the, the head, right? So, Simon Peter means to her, here, to her, that's on your head. The Greek symbol psi, so Simon, Simon. The Greek symbol psi, it represents the discipline of psychology. It's because the root and origin of the word is the Greek form psychologia. So, um, the psyche, the soul, that sort of stuff. So, um, the Simon, singular one, of course, there's only the one God, Simon, Peter. Uh, Simon, he's surnamed Peter, size, the Greek letter, uh, resembles the trident, means the psyche. Um, um, the, the mind, which is the noose. Then, um, Peter is derived from stone. Well, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the stone. The entire church was built off that. What do we always want to do? Arise, Aries, arose. We want to get to the top, Okay. So we have, and we've talked about this before. We've made this connection before, but there's Simon Peter for you. He's the first one. He's the head of the church, right? He's, he's representing, uh, or he's the foundation of the church, the rock, the Petra, the Peter. So there, and he's the psychology, the mind, and he has heard, he has heard. So there's your Simon Peter. Now it's, it goes on to say that Simon, who is called Peter, had a brother named Andrew. So, Let's go to Andy, St. Andy, as they like to call him. Who's Andrew? He's Pisces. Who's right next to Aries? Aries, Pisces. Um, why is Andrew known as the two fishes of Pisces? Well, the, the context of the Bible gives you loads of references to this. Mark 1.16, it says uh, something, something, something. Simon and Andrew, his brother, were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Matthew 4.18 says essentially the same thing. Simon and Andrew's brother cast a net into the sea. They were casting the net for they were fishers. Fishers of men. Well, we, we just established Simon Peter being Aries, the rock, right? He has heard the head. Who's right next to Simon Peter? His brother. Because the brothers, the brows, Pisces, and they were fishers. Now this whole area of the sky, just in this whole area right there, is actually called like the... It's like called the sea or the, that sort of thing because you have a bunch of like fish type things there, right? You have Cetus the whale. Right next to that is Aquarius, the water bearer who's got the water jar. Right over there is Pisces, okay? And so he was a fisher and he's got the two fish. You actually see pictures of Andrew, brother of Simon. Um, and they even said, uh, well, there's a lad. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said unto him, there is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. So once again, all of this context in the Bible to make, to make the appropriate correlation. So you even see, you know, these even got two fish there, right? So, and then, so, uh, these are the, this is the chapters, Matthew 4, 18 and Andrew's brother casting a net into the sea. They were fishers, etc. Okay. So there you have the brothers, they're right next to each other. So now you have Simon, Simon Peter, and you have Andrew, his brother. Peter, Andrew. Now let's go to James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. We've already covered this. I actually cover it in the book, um, the, the newest book, the Scripture and the Stars. There's a whole chapter on associating these. 
But um, let's, let's look at John first. We're going to look at both of these because they're brothers. We're going to essentially look at them in the same time. So John is known as, number one, we already know what John is because of the tetramorph. We don't need to, we, the tetramorph already assigns who John is. That's Scorpio. John is the eagle or the Scorpio. And those are two interchangeable signs. And we'll show you that in just a second. So they're called, those two brothers are called the sons of thunder. Fiery preachers or Boanerges. Boanerges means fiery preachers. And this actually comes, let's go back here. Hopefully I have this. This actually comes from Mark when we did this. It even says, Simon, he surnamed Peter, that head, and then James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. So they're giving you all these this different context so you can make the appropriate connections. So they're giving you Boanerges and sons of thunder in reference to John and James. And once again, we already know who John is because of the Scorpio, because he is Scorpio. He's that eagle because of the tetramorph. So there's John. He's with James, they're brothers, and they're the sons of thunder. They're fiery preachers. That's what Boanerges means. Boanerges means fiery preachers. Once again, John is the Scorpio. He's the eagle, okay, in the tetramorph. So we already know who he is. So let's go to James, his brother, John the Scorpio, James's brother. James is known, once again, they're fiery preachers. They're Boanerges is the sons of thunder. Sagittarius is the constellation that's right by John, right by Scorpio, Scorpio and Sagittarius. They're brothers. Sagittarius is a fire sign. It's a fire sign. They were called fiery preachers. Okay. The house of Sagittarius is the house of Jupiter slash Zeus. And what did Jupiter and Zeus hold? Firebolts, thunderbolts. They were fiery in a fire sign. The house of that is Jupiter slash Zeus. That's the, the... the ruling planet of that house is Jupiter. And Zeus is holding a thunderbolt. Now they were fiery preachers, Boanerges, or the sons of thunder, correct? This is where the Milky Way, um, I'll show you this in just a second, where they're pointing to in the sky here is where the Milky Way actually crosses the ecliptic. And what's there is this cloudy mass of stars. And which it's like basically, it looks like a big cloud. And so it's like, well, what do big masses of clouds bring? Thunderbolts, th- you know, thunder and lightning, that sort of stuff. So uh, I'll show you that in just a second. So once again, they said here, hey, John and James, they're brothers. They're Boanerges, which means a fiery preacher. Sagittarius is a fire sign and the sons of thunder. The thunder is Zeus, thunderbolt, Sagittarius, the whole bit. So why do we know? If we already know that St. Johnny boy, St. John is Scorpio, that eagle, because of the tetramorph, his brother is Sagittarius. Why? Because Sagittarius and Scorpio are the two constellations that point to that cloudy mass of stars called the Milky Way. Both of those signs point to what would be considered the center of the Milky Way. And when I used to live in Hawaii, I could just literally go out my back porch and see this. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was so clear. You could just see Scorpio. And there they called it the fish hook. But same, you know, pointing to the same constellation. So here you have those that biblical the connection of the brothers. Those two are paired in the sky to literally point to the center of just naturally to the point to the center of the the Milky Way. So Boanerges means fiery preacher. Sagittarius is a fire sign. Sagittarius is got the archer 
of course. He's the archer. He's got the arrow. And this will make sense in just a second. We once again talked about how Sagittarius, the, the zodiacal sign of Sagittarius, is the planet Jupiter. Okay? Jupiter is what? Zeus. What is Zeus doing? Carrying a thunderbolt because they are the sons of thunder. And they're pointing to this cloudy mass of stars where thunderbolts are. And Jupiter is shoulder to shoulder with is, uh, its ruler of, once again, Jupiter, Sagittarius is the ruler. Okay? So, let's put this whole thing together. Once again, Zeus, Jupiter, Thunderbolts, Greco-Roman mythology, they're one and the same. It is often held to that Zeus's Thunderbolt. It is often held to represent the eagle. What's John? He's Scorpio, but what else is he? He's an eagle, correct? Well, why is, why is he a Scorpio and why is he an eagle? Why is there this differentiation? Because it's necessary information for you to make the, the correct connections. So here you have Zeus, Jupiter, the thunderbolt, and that thunderbolt is held by an eagle. And well, who's his brother? Who's James's brother? John. And what's he? Scorpio or the eagle. So when you look at this place in the sky, so there's your center of the Milky Way. There's the brothers, John and James. They're the sons of thunders, the bow and arrows. He's the fiery preachers. Right? What's right above them? Well, the thunderbolt that that is... Um, that, well, here, let's see if we have this here. Sorry. You see there, there's Zeus slash Jupiter, house of Sag. He's got a thunderbolt, but he's also got that bird. That's that's an eagle. And the, there's a bird named Aquila that's actually holding that thunderbolt. What is that thunderbolt? It's Sagitta. What's the eagle? It's Aquila. Aquila is literally considered an eagle. So here you have an eagle and a Sagitta, which is the thunderbolt. Everybody see that? So in this sense, those two are mating the eagle is mating with the thunderbolt in this sort of sense. Of course, this is all just celestial mythology. It's not like a literal thing. So, the, and what do you have? Them producing what? The sons of thunder, John and James, which point to the center of the Milky Way. Does everybody get that? So, and I cover that in the book, okay? So, right now, what do we have? We have John. Scorpio. We have his brother, James, Sagittarius. We have Andrew, which is Pisces, and his brother, what? Simon Peter, who's what? Aries, okay? So we've got four of the, the, the disciples thus far. Let's, let's do um, the rest of the eight, but before we do that, we're going to pass around the collection plate, okay? Well, you know, we tried. We tried. Of course, I was going to screw that up. But 
Yeah, but it's basically, you know, coffees for closers, uh, always be collecting. So sorry about that. I was obviously going to screw that up. Anyway, um, we're just passing the basket around if anybody wants to support the fine work that we do here. Um, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. You can become a subscribe star. You can become a good bard over at the subscribe star. And so we really appreciate everybody that does support the fine work that we do here. Sorry for my audio issues. I, I, I apologize. We should be moving on anyway. We got better shit to do than make stupid jokes with freaking that creep. Anyway, um, if you would like to send a letter, we do uh, open letters uh, every Tuesday with Tuesdays with Marty, which we will not be doing this Tuesday because we's a moving. But we are changing addresses. So if you do want to send, we'll have this address for probably three months or something like that. Uh, Kevin McNally, N2550 Southview Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. That is the new address. And that is on the website. We've changed that everywhere. So, And it, we have, will have mail forwarded to us. So if you did send something, uh, it will get to us. So um, so thank you, everybody, that does support the fine work that we do here. We appreciate all of you so much. Okay. So let's do this again. We've got John. We've got his brother, James. We've got Andrew. And we've got Peter. Boom. We've got that first verse done. Okay. So let's move on. Now let's go to, so Peter, Andrew, James, John, let's go to Philip. So Philip is Capricorn. Now the name Philip means fond of horses or horse lover. So immediately, since we've, we've just established Sagittarius, we'd be like, well, if it's horse, it's Sagittarius, Sagittarius is a horse, perfect connection, right? No, there's actually a better connection. I'll show you this. So Philip means fond of horses or horse lover. And Capricorn is right next to the specific constellation named Aquellus. Uh, or horse. So here, let's look at this. So Philip means, uh, philos means loved or dear, like, you know, um, like philosophy is love of Sophia, love of wisdom, that sort of stuff. Um, but there, it, you basically has love of the hippos, which is horse. Then that's what the word Philip means. So it's a horse lover, fond of horses. So number one, Aquellus is, you can see right there, there's Capricorn. This is who we're assigning Philip to. Right above Capricorn is what? A horse, directly the constellation that is the horse. But that's not it. That's not it. So if you look actually at all the constellations that are surrounded by Capricorn, they're all representations of horses. So there's Capricorn, who's Philip, fond of horses, horse lover. If you look to the left, what is there? It's a winged horse named Pegasus. Now you go about, uh, let's say about 10 o'clock there or something like that. What do you get? Aquellus, which is what? A horse. Okay, now go to the right of Philip, Capricorn. What is there? Sagittarius, which is what? A man, horse slash man, dude. <laughs> right? So Philip is fond of horses. He's a horse lover. He's literally surrounded by horses. Even the constellation Aquellus, which is specifically the horse, as you can see, is right on the line, right on the, I forget what that was, what that'd be called. The, I forget what that line is called. My Lord, that's terrible. <laughs> Are you sure you should be teaching, Marty? Anyway, so there's Capricorn. Cuts right through Capricorn. And where does it go right to? The horse. What's right next to that horse? Another horse. What's on the other side of Capricorn? Another horse. So Philip is the fond of horse, the horse lover, because he is Capricorn. Surrounded by horses. Let's move on. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Let's look at Bartholomew. Who's Bartholomew? Well, Bartholomew, in the same vein, we're going to basically the same sort of idea here. What is the constellation right next to Libra? Because Bartholomew will be Libra. He's the scales. 
Now, why? Why are we making this connection? Bartholomew means son of a farmer, abounding in furrows. That's what Bartholomew, Bartholomew means. Uh, bar means son, and then Tholomew means basically of a, of a farmer there. Um, so son of a farmer, abounding in furrows. Furrows is a long, narrow trench made in the ground by a plow especially for planting seeds or for irrigation. That's what a furrow is. So so this constellation, this guy is, what the hell does that have to do with Libra, Marty? Just wait. So this guy, is, his name is saying, I'm a son of a farmer. I'm dealing with plowing fields and planting crops. Okay. So let's, the and that's what Bartholomew means, right? Uh, basically it comes from Talami, I think. Uh, Bar is Aramaic for son. And basically, it's the son of furrows, which a furrow is, once again, a furrow is, well, you know, a long, narrow trench made the ground by a plow. He's, a, he's the son of a plowman. He's the son of a plowman, and he's planting crops. That's exactly what his name means, Bartholomew. Okay, well, there is Bootes. You guys know who Bootes is. Bootes is literally considered the plowman, Okay. He's, con he's considered the plowman. He's the farmer. This constellation makes appearances in all sorts of other places in the Bible. We talked about Cain and Abel. He was a man, a shepherd. That's Origa. And then there's the man in the field. That's Bootes. And they had a fight and that sort of thing. So there's Bootes. Once again, look at that line that goes straight through straight through Bootes and goes right to what? Libra. So Barth Barth Bartholomew means the son of a farmer, not the farmer itself. Literally, the son of a farmer. So, who's the, in this sense, who is the child of Bootes? We'll just follow the line straight right to the, to the ecliptic. Libra. Okay? But what's right next to Bootes? In fact, you can see this is, a, they even show this on the, the planisphere. I don't know if you guys know this, but when you look at, this is one of the ways you can connect all these constellations, okay? When you look at the Big Dipper, you can see down there, there's a line that you can draw from the Big Dipper to Arcturus, which is the biggest star, one of the brightest stars in the sky, one of the 10 brightest stars, I believe, maybe five. But the Big Dipper, the ladle, goes right to Arcturus, which is one of the bright stars in the sky. That goes to Spica, which is in Virgo. Spica means what? A shaft of wheat. So he's a farmer and he's dealing with furrows and plowing fields and he's the plowman. And right next to him is what? Virgo, which the main star in Virgo is Spica, the brightest star in Virgo is Spica, which means a shaft of wheat. Okay, well, he's not the farmer. He's not Bootes. He's the son of a farmer, which means what? Well, there you have Bootes, which is the farmer. And who did the Bootes mate with in order, in this sense, celestially, in order to make Libra? This is all these clues that you're giving you to show the, show the patterns. Well, it's Virgo. Because Virgo has the shaft of wheat, he she's she's with the with the farmer, the plowman in the field. And where does that this is that line? It goes straight up, right to your ecliptic, right to what Bartholomew, Libra. Peter, name Simon. That's your head. Andrew, that's Pisces. That's your feet. James and John. What is that? Sagittarius and Scorpio. Of course, that's your legs and your member there. Philip is what? Philip is, what is Philip? Fond of horses. He's Capricorn. Bartholomew is Libra. Let's go to Thomas. Who's Tammy boy? This one is super simple. 
Well, what's Thomas's name? Thomas comes from the Hebrew word taom, meaning twin. <laughs> I don't really think we need to even expand on or expound on this anymore, right? Okay, his name means twin. If you were going to point out a twin in the constellation or in the zodiac, what would that be? Obviously, Gemini. It's pretty, pretty uh, simple connection there. So Thomas comes from the Hebrew word taom. I think is how you say that, and it means the twin. Thomas, right there, meaning twin. Who is he? Gemini. So, there we go. So, now we got Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew the publican. He is the publican, which is the tax. I mean, publican also means the public, but it means the tax preparer, that sort of thing. Receipt of customs, we talked about that. Who's Matthew? Well, we already know who Matthew is because Matthew was established by the tetramorph. And that's Aquarius. So those are the four Gospels, right, that establish John and Matthew. So those two we, we know are solid in those disciples. So Matthew is, uh, once again, you look at the Tetramorph. Here, here's a bunch of different examples. He's the man. Even like the, right there, he's like shown as like this sort of flying eagle figure in water, right? So he's the man, once again, established by the Tetramorph. James is next. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James. James, the son of Alphaeus. Okay, let's look at this one. So, what does James mean? What is what is um, El, well, what does Alphaeus mean? Because right, right, so they give you James, and they could have just said James, you know, this other dude. But then they give you more information, Alphaeus, to make the correct connection. So, James means to traverse, change, or exchange. Okay. Now, James, this name Alphaeus, is, is, is also a reference to, so here's your related names. Um, there's Alphaeus. And Alphaeus is a reference to Clopas or Cleophas in the Bible. So this, um, so they're giving you, they're basically saying James of Alphaeus, Alphaeus, I think is how you say that. Alphaeus is a direct connection to what? Clopas or Cleopas, Cleophas. You can look this up. It's, you know, it's a bunch of different places you can find this. There is only one mention of this in the Bible, Clopas or Cleophas, as some translations curiously insist, but it's not immediately clear who this person is, okay? Clopas is mentioned only in John 19.25 in relation to someone named Mary, but what precisely Clopas is to Mary isn't, isn't clear. So it's James, the son of Alphaeus. It's the son of this dude. I don't know if I put that there. So James, it's the son of Alphaeus. Um, let's see if it says here. Yes, James, the son of Alphaeus. So you have Alphaeus or Alphaeus or whatever it is, direct relationship to Clopas or Cleophas. Then there's only one verse where this person is mentioned. One verse. That verse is John 19, 25. And what is that verse littered with? Mary's. All day long. Mary, 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 Mary. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, Mary, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. That's a lot of Marys. So it's like Mary, the wife of Cleophas, was there, and then Mary Magdalene was there, and then Jesus' uh, his mother was there, who is Mary, the Virgin Mary. So James, who means the Alphaeus, which means a reference to Cleophas, Clopas, means traverse, change, or exchange. This is Virgo. All the mentions of Mary, three different, the, only one time do you get this mentioned in the verse, that in, in the Bible, then you go to that verse and it's littered with Mary's. Even the, the Virgin Mary's there, the whole bit. 
Why is this important? Because Virgo is a mutable sign. And what does Alpheus mean? It means to traverse, change, or exchange. What does mutable mean? That's exactly what mutable means. To mutate in this sense, right? So in the in the zodiac, you're given um, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And cardinal is when you're um, entering into the new season. So they're all they're all separated. Cardinal, fixed, mutable. Cardinal, fixed, mutable. Cardinal, fixed, mutable. Cardinal, fixed, mutable. When you go to into um, the cardinal, you're entering into a season. Then you're in the middle of that season of the four seasons. And what is it? It's fixed. Then you move out of that season. What is it? It's mutating. It's morphing. It's changing. It's mutable. Well, Virgo is a mutable sign. And so, in other words, it's traverse, change, or exchange. But what also are we here to do? To traverse, change, or, you know, in this sense, mutate, if you will, into what? Virgin purity. So, James of Alpheus, the only place that you can even get any sort of reference to what this means, who it is, is one place in the Bible. And where is that? Mary's all day long. And what is what is uh, Virgo Mary? Or what is Mary? Uh, it's the Virgo. Even the constellation uh, or even the sign of Virgo is what? It's an M to represent Mary. And then what's on? What's connected there? It's the Jesus fish. You can see it. It's Mary, Jesus fish. Okay? So, boom. Mutable sign. Mary's all day long, the 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 virgin. <clears throat> well, let's let's go now. This the the next couple are pretty pretty damn interesting. So now we go to James the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname is also Thaddeus. He's also known as Judas because this is very very confusing because the Bible wants to you know they, they they make you work for this stuff because it's called the great work. You can't just get you, nobody's just gonna hand you this shit. Okay, so Lebius, who's Lebius? Thaddeus Judas. Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Lebius means a man of heart, courageous, or a young lion. Well, I don't really think, you know, this is one of those tau M, you know, things like uh, that means twin. What do you, of course, what is the constellation? Leo. Leo the lion. You could even see that his name is Judas, Thaddeus, and Lebius. All three names he's, he's called in the Bible. Judas was a popular name in the New Testament. Uh, means Jehovah leads. You always want to lead with your heart, of course. Um, Thaddeus at birth, while Lebius was Thaddeus was nicknames, etc., etc. Lebius translates as heart child, and Thaddeus means breast child. What's in your breastplate? Your heart. Thaddeus was a gentle soul with a tender, childlike heart. Okay, he's called Jude. So Thaddeus, both Thaddeus and Lebius, both mean young lion, man of the heart, that sort of stuff. Okay, also called Judas. Well, do you know what another form of the word Judas is? It's Judah. What is Judah? It's the Lion of Judah. The biblical Ju uh, Judah, uh, eponymous uh, ancestor tribe of Judah, etc., etc., is literally uh, the young lion. Judah is the young lion. The phrase appears in the New Testament in Revelation 5 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. So, once again, pretty unmistakable when you make the connection. Courageous, young lion, man of heart. Obviously, what is that going to be? That's going to be your Leo. And your Leo represents what? Your heart. Okay? So let's keep a, a moving on. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Lebius. Oh, we got two more. We got two more here. Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot. 
right? Oh my god, I lost my track here. Okay, so let's go to Simon the Canaanite, and then we'll end with Judas Iscariot. So Simon the Canaanite is Taurus. Why? This is one of the most difficult ones for me, honestly. And then when I recognized it, I was like, oh, duh. So um, Simon is called Simon the Canaanite. Once again, they're giving you multiple different explanations or, or uh, descriptors of this guy. So you can make the right, right correlations. Simon is known as the Canaanite, but he's also known as the Zelotes or the Zealot. Simon the Zealot, okay? Well, um, we're going to see si Zealot means bullheaded, okay? That's essentially what it means. The, well, I'll just show this. The, the, let's just get into it and then we'll come back here. Simon the Zealot mentioned in a few different chapters, uh, but barely. No, nothing else is given about this guy. He's extremely obscure. There's multiple places where they'll tell you where it's like, here's this disciple and we don't hear about anything about him in the Bible. There's, he's just mentioned, which is, once again, this is the biblical writer's challenging you and what you're reading you mean this was a disciple of christ and you guys were writing all the shit down about all these you know what they did and you didn't even mention what this what this guy did or where he was or that sort of thing he's one of the most obscure among the apostles of jesus simon the zealot or simon the canaanite was one of the most obscure apostles of jesus barely mentioned in the bible there's the there's the few times that he's mentioned okay i just put them here and it's literally just when he's naming the the disciples that's all you get so they give you Simon, and then they tell you he's a zealot, and that he's a Canaanite. And that's all you got to go off of in order to make the connection. Okay, well, first and foremost, when we talk about being zealous or a zealot, what is it? It's a person who is fanatical and uncompromising in pursuit of their religious, political, or other ideals. So what does bullheaded mean? Essentially that, determined in an obstinate and unthinking way. When you're zealot, like you're, it's like a lot of times you're just fanatical and you're not even thinking, right? Because you're just so like you know, strong-willed, that sort of sense. So there's that. But that's not the only connection. The Canaanites worshipped the god Baal, okay, which was Baal, Moloch is essentially the same god, different different names. So um, the Canaanites' gods, the um, the creator god El, um, which is considered a like a, in certain areas a bull god that sort of thing but gave birth to many gods including a powerful god named Baal which is lord right in the Canaanite over the over the years Baal became the dominant deity and the worship of El faded but Baal is portrayed as a man with the head of horns and a bull so the Canaanites worshipped a taurine god a Taurus bull-headed god bunch of different and many people have showed this before is like oh they're sacrificing child children to moloch who's literally called ball what is it it's a big taurus it's a big bull this is one of the verses and i forget what this is oh one kings 1826 and this says they took the bullock what's a young bullock it's a young bull a castrated bull a steer a bullocky right and they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal. O Baal, hear us. So, and then they leapt upon the altar, that sort of stuff. So these Canaanites, now remember, Simon was a Canaanite, correct? Then he's what? He became a zealot. He became uncompromising in his beliefs because what? Well, he became a disciple of Christ. So he said, no more of the old Canaanite stuff. I'm not following just some constellation of a bull. I'm going to follow well, a representation of the entire cosmos, the entire creation itself being Christ, because that's what he's a representation of. 
So here you have Simon the Zealot, Simon the Canaanite. And what do the Canaanites worship? They worship the bull. What, is, what does the Zealot mean? It means to be bullheaded. They worship the bull. Taurus. It's all a reference to Taurus. So now the other thing that is interesting about Simon is that he was recognized to be sawed in half. Okay, so Simon the Zealot, one of the things that we're, we're told, and you can even see there's different, you know, um, you know, statues and that sort of stuff, and he's got a big saw. And it's like, well, what? And, and this is, they literally show pictures of him being sawed in half. Well, look at the constellation of Taurus. The Taurus is, all you really have in Taurus is the, the bull horns. But what is it, what does it happen? It's like a separation. It's a split. Correct? It's literally like split, like it's being cut in half. Not only that, What's on the other side of Taurus? Gemini. It's like twins. Two. This sort of thing. What's happening at this point of the year? This is June 20... Sidereally. Sidereally. What's happening right here? It's June 21st. It's the summer solstice. What's happening at the summer solstice? The year is being cut in half. This side of the year. This side of the year. Taurus... Just speak, this is, so there's a picture of Simon the Zealot being, and it, sometimes they show him being cut from like the, the bottom and sometimes the head, that sort of stuff, depending on the illustration. But they're literally, now look at the bull's head. What does it look like? It's like a head that's being like cut in this sense. They're like bull horns, but what could you say? There's like a split here. Also, what is that, what is the upper half of the circle? Well, it's half a circle. What's happening sidereally in this part of the year? The year's being cut in half. What does Taurus, the phonetics of Taurus, and at least in English, what is it? Whether this is just a weird connection or not, it's Taurus, as in to tore or rip into, to Taurus. Once again, you would throw that out as some weird connection, that's fine, but there's the split of the year, there's the split of Taurus, and who is he? He's Simon the Zealot, who was Simon the Canaanite. They worshipped bulls, Taurus. So that leaves... One last one, and that is Judas Iscariot. Now, there's only one last sign, and that's cancer, okay? So, what's happening with cancer? Now, Judas Iscariot, it says specifically that he sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. What's the 30? This is the 30 degrees of each sign of the zodiac. There's 30 degrees. 12 times 30 is what? 360. So, he sold... Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. If gold is a representation of the sun, what is silver a representation of? The moon. What's the ruling house of cancer? What is the, what is the, the sign of cancer? What's the planet that's assigned to it? The moon. Now, I'll go back to that. Judas is assigned to cancer. Cancer is at least the, the modern is a disease caused by uncontrolled division of abnormal cells. But what cancer, and it actually the, the second uh, uh, definition there says a practice or phenomenon perceived to be evil or destructive. A practice or phenomenon perceived to be evil or destructive. It's getting, you know, cancer sweeping across the nation. It's can cancerous. Cancer means to, the etymology or the, the, you know, the archaic definition of it means to split. It means to cut, to split. What was Judas? He was the only one that was cut from the original 12. 
He was the only one that split off from the original 12. He was the only one that actually presented evil and a destructive force within the 12. Correct? The ruling house of Cancer. What is Cancer's planet? Cancer is said to be the house of Neptune, Exaltation of Jupiter, both astronomical bodies, but Cancer, its ruling planet is the moon. The 30 pieces of silver of the moon. Cancer, to cut, to split, destructive, evil. Sold for 30 pieces. Silver of the moon. What's the ruling house of cancer? It's the moon. And there you have it, ladies and germs. There you have it. Andrew. Uh, let's, start, let's start here. Aries, Simon Peter. He's the head. He's the Aries, right? He's the Peter. He's the rock. He has, he has heard, right? Simon the Canaanite. He was a Canaanite. He worshiped, they worshiped bulls. Then he became a zealot because he's bullheaded. Cuts the year in half. Splits everything. Was sawed in half. Thomas. Thomas, what does Thomas mean? It means twin. What is he? He's the Gemini. Judas Iscariot literally sold 30 pieces of silver. Silver is the moon. Cancer is, the ruling house of cancer is the, or the, the planet, the sign to cancer is the moon. That's your silver. He was the evil and destructive force within the 12. Thaddeus, what's Thaddeus? Thaddeus, Judas, and um, Labius all means what? Courageous, young lion, man of heart. James of Alphaeus, what, is it, what does Alphaeus mean? Alphaeus means Clopas, Cleophas. That's a direct reference to all of the Marys. 19, John 19.25, Mary, 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 Mary. All Marys. Virgin, the Virgo, the Mary. Bartholomew, Bartholomew is um, the son of a farmer. The son of a farmer. Who is he a son of? Virgo? Buotes. What's right there? Boom. Bartholomew. John is Scorpio. We know John is the Scorpio. He's the eagle. Why is he the eagle? Because of Aquila and Sagitta mating, making the sons of thunder. And John is also known as the Scorpio because of the tetramorph. James is his brother for the same reason. Sagittarius, he's the fire sign. He's Zeus, Jupiter, has got the thunderbolt. And he's the brother of John. And those two point to the center of that cloudy, milky part. The cloudy part of the Milky Way that's got all the thunderbolts. That's what, th that's what big clouds bring, thunderbolts and lightning. And we go to Philip. Philip is a lover of horses. He's fond of horses. And who is he surrounded by? He's got Pegasus right here. He's got Aquellus right there. He's got Sagittarius right here. He's surrounded by horses. Then we go to Matthew. Matthew is Aquarius. Why? Because of the tetramorph. Tells us right away. Then we get to Andrew. And what is he? He's a fisher of men. He's a fisher of men. He's the brother of Simon Peter. And he carries around two fish. And there you have it. There's your 12 disciples of the Zodiac. And all the explanations as to why they're that signs. So um, I will leave this on the screen if anybody wants to take some screenshots of this. Just so they have this for a reference. Like I said, we'll go over all of this very briefly next Sunday as well because we're going to do the rest of the chapter. Like I said, there's no way we could do all of the chapter today because that'd be another like two hours. So, but there you have it, folks. And a lot of these we had already established before, just so you know. A lot of them, there were uh, very much established. Matthew and John and Simon Peter and, um, you know, we, we established Andrew. We established... Um, John and James, the whole bit. And a lot of those are actually in the book. So so there you have it. The 12 disciplines that you must undergo in your great work 
to become, to embody, to recognize that you are an embodiment of the entire body of the celestial sphere. And you are going to undergo that great work. Discipline yourself through the labors of Hercules, if you will, and conquer and fly up to the heavens because you guys are good bards. You know what I'm saying? You guys are good bards. That's what you want to do. So thank you all for uh, showing up today and thank you for your time and your um, attention, everything like that. I really appreciate it. I am going to cut this video up into something shorter, maybe like 20 minutes, half hour, and just uh, highlight the 12 disciples. So that will be coming out hopefully in the next week or something like that. Um, but if you would like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar. You can become a Phoenix bird. You can become a Kila bird. You can become a Cygnus bird. Or you, be, and you Or you can become Tommy to be my bird. Who doesn't love my Tommy? So thank you all very much. Um, if you would like to donate, we really appreciate all uh, Venmo, Buy Me A Coffee, Cash App, Subscribestar. And uh, so if you want to uh, send some cash that way to keep us going we really appreciate it we've got a lot more to cover we're going to finish off matthew we'll get into revelation i think uh like i said next sunday we're going to do um the finish off matthew and then i think i want to do uh, something on meditation meditation like techniques what i think you know that sort of stuff and then i also want to do compasses and square because that's gonna be bomb oh my lord i did that many many moons ago and i need to redo it because it's just it's so cool so there's the new uh, um, snail mail. Kevin McNally and uh, 2550 South View Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. And yes, my name is Kevin McNally. Or is it Thaddeus? Or is it Lebius? Or is it Judas? Is it Claudia? Is it Marty? It's very confusing. Guess what? I'm really none of those things. I am. So thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute and Rumble. And we are streaming to YouTube Rockfin. And I believe we're streaming to Odyssey today. Are we not? Are we? Look at that. I have my shit together, except for the audio issues. What's that? That's you. You're watching. <laughs> Honestly, you're kind of sucking it. You can get this at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Uh, you can get the Sunday sermons there. So check out the app, Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. And uh, so check it out. That's Dave Weiss's app, and we appreciate that he promotes the services there. Um, no Tuesdays with Marty. This And just so everybody knows, we do we do do. That's right. We do do. Tuesdays with Marty every Tuesday at seven o'clock, except this Tuesday because I'm going to be traveling. So, um, and that's where usually where I just shoot the shit, open mail, play a little guitar, um, just talk at you. Anything you guys want to cover, just let me know and we'll, we'll talk about it. So that's what we do. So, um, Jennifer, do you have, oh, ah, oh, login issues, freaking pass passwords. They're the bane of my existence. God bless it. Anyway, and then, there, then you get a password and like, so you have like one password for like several things and then one of the things makes you change it and then you're like, oh my God, now what did I change it to? Anyway, so I will be uh, attending the gathering, Music and Sky, August 18th through 21st. If you want to join us, it's going to be a great time. Really looking forward to that. And if you do want to get a ticket and uh, musicandsky.com forward slash Marty. And I believe that we're going to, as long as weather permitting and all that sort of stuff, depending on light pollution and all that, but we're going to go and do some star study. We're going to, one of the nights we'll take a walk. I guess there's a place you can walk up on a hill and sort of see the stars. And so, um, yeah, we're going to do that. And then I'll just point out to, Hey, here's the ecliptic. Here's the North. Here's, you know, how to, how to, how to navigate yourself. Um, depending on how many stars you see too, it's, you know, depends. So anyway, if you would like to support, uh, we have hardcover books for sale. We have the archives for sale. We do have rosary and Bible packages 
uh, for sale, and we also have the um, my records. So, and I need to make like two more records. So, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. So, anyway, okay. I'm addicted to kombucha. What can I do? Uh, that's a good question. Switch to cocaine. You know, if you're going to need a vice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't listen to your minister. So, <laughs> it's there. Uh, did you guys enjoy that? Did it make sense? All right. I, I want to say thank you to Bobby96 and family, Julie Pradal, Garrett Rudolph. J.M. Grassi, love ya. Shan, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Shane Rafferty. And then who's this? Who's this guy? So if you wanna be dream, let me tell you that we <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Small Axe. Love you, brother. Uh, Larry Latempio, Lindsay Chapman, love ya. Danny Floyd Jr., Jeremy Hines, thank you very much, Jeremy Hines, uh, for your donation. Alexandra Marlowe, Daniel Hager, Michael Shucknick, thank you very much, Michael. Hope, uh, thank you for clarifying and thank you. Just really appreciate it. Ray Brackman, uh, Martin Weir, thank you so much. Then we've got some subscribe stars. Kenneth Rudzinski, Ruth Scott, Lindsay Chapman, again, Lauren D., J. Lowe, L.J. Lowe. Samurai, Deadpool, Adam H, Harvey Brown, Paige, uh, Sage Bear, Daniel Petrillo, Shannon Seal, Jen Brew, Jenny G7, The Pious Garten, The Ancient Order, uh, Jamie Diana, Interesting, Cynthia Holtzman, Perspective 96, Bobby, Bobby, my friend, Jared Poole, thank you so much, Mr. Poole, Anders Olberg, Javier, and Ambers, Amberson A. Cat, Andrew Masonette, thank you so much, Small Axe, thank you so much, Horace's Horology, thank you so much, Interverse Podcast, great to see you, Chance, love you, brother, Jerry D., Liz, the Iron Maiden, awesome, Alicia Crawford, thank you so much, Jared Poole, you're the man, thank you so much, thank, thank you so much for your generosity, uh, really appreciate it, Jackie Traverson, love you guys, probably not going to see you this time move, going down, Jack A., Auntie Jake, but the next time we will definitely make a trip over because we're going to have to bomb down, drop our stuff off and be back. But we're looking forward to seeing you. So JC3141531140 and Truth Seeker, socks rocked off. Truth Seeker, who is now known as uh, Pistol Whippin' John. That's what we're calling Johnny. <laughs> Pistol Whippin' John. Thank you so much. Crystal Rose, thank you. Awesome. You guys are great. Who did? Carmen Taylor, thank you so much. Uh, the Horace Hor Horace's Horology says, Good Birds Funds. Let's get this party started. Love you guys, Jackie T. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Did you guys enjoy that? Did you? I thought you would. So if you have any questions, um, look it over again. Look it, look it over. Once again, challenge, challenge some of this stuff. But I thought, you know, once... I started doing this because it's something I've wanted to do for a very, very long time, and I just never got around to it. And then I finally got into Matthew chapter 10 here. I'm like, okay, I, I've got to do this. And so I just put my nose to the grindstone and just sort of, you know, opened up the floodgates, if you will, and just sort of go with that flow. And um, I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty damn good. I think the connections are very, very, very solid. And um, so anyway, I really appreciate that. Okay, guys. That's going to do it for this Sunday. Love you guys so much. Thank you for, for being here. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the attention. Thank you for keeping this alive. Um, it means the world to us, okay? May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. I also just did a little note. I also just did an interview with Derek Glick 
of needmorehope.com, and I just posted that on the videos if you want to check that out. Derek's a great dude. I'm really glad I hooked up with that guy. He's just a sweet man, does really good work, really helping out a lot of vets with PTSD and like natural health and all this other stuff. So really cool. Um, so check that out. And I am considering doing sort of a the interview show portion again for just like an hour. Um, let me know if it's something you guys want to see or not. I don't know if it's if it's worth the time, but there's a bunch of people that I want to interview. I want to uh, talk to um, Greg Arcade, Greg Whitecliffe. I want to talk to Raging Dissident. Those guys, I believe, will all do it. Um, uh, Stephen Carpenter from the Deftones. I want to get him on here. I want to talk to Foundering. So let me know if that's something you guys are interested in, okay? All right, that's going to do it. We're going to listen to a Wilco song. Um, now, this band is kind of cucked, I know, but this song is really beautiful, um, and it's called One Sunday Morning, um, and so let's do it. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me. I will see you next Sunday, and we'll finish off Matthew 10, and that'll be tasty, okay? All right, that's going to do it. Guys, I love you so much. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
without warning Hold my brow In time he thought I would kill him Oh, but I God, I don't believe in No, your Bible can't be true Knocked down by the long light He cried, I fear what waits for you Love with the burden mm-hmm. 